Hello again, you found us on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. Today we're going to be talking about, or I'm going to be talking about, a film that I saw called Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And we're also going to discuss the coronavirus because we have to follow up on our previous conversation about it. There was something else we were going to talk um, about. The voting process in Los Angeles. And look, I'm voting by mail, but Mike actually went into a booth and he's going to explain what happened in that magical moment. It was wonderful. Okay. <laughs> Life-changing. <laughs> Next year, I'll vote in a booth. Portrait of a Lady on Fire is directed by Celine Schiama, and it's a story of a painter, a portraitist, who is literally dropped on the coast of Brittany to paint the portrait of a young woman she knows nothing about. The film is, I never say this, but I think it's really a masterpiece. Wow. And it is in the realm of art, and it takes the male gaze and turns it into a female gaze. Oh, okay. Because the painter has to observe a woman mm-hmm. that she's going to paint. Okay. The woman does not want to sit for the portrait and doesn't even oh. know that the woman who's arrived is actually a painter. She thinks she's just been hired as a companion. Oh, okay. And it's just the most gorgeously photographed film. In the course of it, like watching somebody play piano, you see close-ups of a hand painting in oil. And I thought to myself, oh, that's how they did that. It was just such an insight into how they mix the colors and how they lay it in and how they create the shadows and the light. Yeah, It's just fascinating. And the great thing about the actresses in the film... Neither of them is conventionally pretty, but they're beautiful in their own way. And the thing that this painter has to do is paint a portrait of her subject that will be sent to a gentleman in Milan who has agreed to marry her because of her status. Okay. The trick is this woman feels compelled to portray her subject the way she really looks, not the way, right. not to prettify her, not to, not to make idealize her. Idealize her. Exactly. Right. And whether that will do the trick or not, we don't really know until the very end. Mm. The setting is wonderful. I don't think I've ever seen a film that takes place in Brittany before. Brittany. The Mont Saint-Michel is there, sort of. I don't know what that is. Oh, the Mont Saint-Michel is this uh, old medieval cathedral that's on a big high rock. That, oh. And it's a big tourist attraction in France. Oh, it is. Yeah, and it's, it's on the coast. And depending on the time of day, the tides can come in and you can't walk out to it. So oh. it, it's closed off by water part of the time. Brittany was really a different culture. They even had a different language that was more related to English and Celtic languages. Wow. Um, even though it was technically part of France. I think that they just spoke traditional French in this. Yeah. Subtitles. Spoiler alert. I, I don't know. There's probably almost nobody around that speaks the whatever that the old language. language of Brittany used yeah. to be. The interesting thing about this also is it's depopulated. There are so few people mm. in this house, in this land that the people right. live on. Do you get a sense of when it was? Like 19th century, 18th century? I think uh, it's late 18th century. Okay. From the style of dress and just different props that were used. Right. They live by kerosene lamps, so right. it's certainly well before electricity. Yeah. There are no men to speak of huh. in this entire movie, so it turns the male gaze on its head. Is the woman who's the subject of the painting, she knows she's going to be yes. carted off to this man in Milan? Yes, that's a reason that she is unwilling to sit for the portrait, because she doesn't want to be carted off. She doesn't uh, want to be married. And yet, if he doesn't like the painting, maybe she won't be carted off. I don't think that's part of the process. No. But it would have been a, up to the painter to make her look unappealing, but then the mother wouldn't have approved the portrait and she oh, would have right. paid it. Oh, that's right. The mother commissioned it. Yes. 
Uh, and yes, the mother yes. wants her to go to Milan. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. The plot thickens. And the backstory is that her sister, I don't know, I assume her older sister, was originally the one who was engaged to be married, but she met a tragic end. Oh. So this gentleman from Milan is actually taking the sister as a replacement. Yeah, sloppy seconds. his original bride. <laughs> <laughs> It's just it's just gorgeous and so compelling and really very European in that there's a lot of silence. It's, yeah, atmospheric, it sounds yes. like. Highly, highly rated. Enthusiastically rated five stars. Wow. One of the best movies that I've seen in a long time. I mean, I would put it up there with Parasite as something that I watched and want to watch again. Right. Just because it was so enthralling. Yeah. So go see it if you get a chance. Go see it in the theaters. It may have left already. It may already be on streaming services. I'm not sure. Who's on fire? Or is it the painting that's on fire? Or would it be a spoiler to go into that? Well, the woman on fire is a woman of passion. Oh, okay. One who's on fire, who's not going to bend to the whims of men. Ah. Until she absolutely has to. Okay. Yeah. Don't give it away. Okay. (laughs) My lips are sealed from here on out. Good joke. So, on to the coronavirus... Mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. I believe that the last thing I said about the virus was that it was being overheated by the news media, in particular by the New York Times, who a month ago had probably eight pages on it. They had eight pages of editorial or news on the virus. Mm. And now it looks like it's quite a bit more of a potential pandemic than we all hoped it would be, or certainly than I thought it would be. I actually believed that it would be contained in Wuhan, China. Right. And now it's gone to Italy and South Korea and Iran and Iraq. And Washington and, State. And Washington State. And people have died in and the And Davis, United California. States. Someone has it up there too. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's the, what did I, oh, Bill Gates came out with an article about how it could be the big health emergency of our century, like I think he referenced Spanish flu back Spanish in 1918. Flu. It's being compared to the Spanish yeah. flu a lot. Yeah. Well, here's the deal about the Spanish flu. It, it wasn't hit. Spanish. I learned that. <laughs> I didn't know that. It was named that, but it had nothing to do with Spain. But it's relevant. Spain was the one country that was upfront and honest about reporting the scope and oh. severity of it. And so they reported their cases where other countries did not. Huh. And so it became known as Spanish flu, not because it originated in Spain, but because the Spanish government responded responsibly while many other governments were kind of head in the sand. That's a pretty good... I learned that on... Fun fact. Political wire. Yeah. But it didn't start in Spain. No, but it became named that because... Because they were responsible. That's terrible. Because they were honest. In any case, the reason that it's being compared to the Spanish flu is, I think, that that started in the winter and then it died down in the summer months. Oh, because right. of the heat. Right. I guess viruses don't like heat. Yeah. And then it came back with a vengeance in the fall and winter, and it killed 50 million people around the wow. world. But the issue with this particular virus is that it's so much more contagious. Right. And it seems to linger actively longer than the Spanish flu did. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know exactly how that flu was transmitted. I know that measles, which we talked about before, can go for 100 feet and last for six hours. Airborne. Airborne. Mm -hmm. But they also can land on surfaces and infect people from that. Oh, okay. 
this isn't a true human-to-human contact virus because you can pick it up from a surface. Right. Which is why they tell you to keep washing your hands yeah. and not to touch yeah. your face. Which I've started washing my hands more and I've stopped in some of the meetings I go to. I've stopped holding hands at the end, you know, when we say a quick really? little prayer. Have other people stopped? Nope, but I'm I'm ahead of the curve. Are you a germ phobe? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm far from it because of my Christian science background. I was oh, taught as a course. kid that there is no such thing as germs. Okay. But I've changed my mind on that, on that point. Okay. And I work at a school, you know, where it's just crowded with people all the time. All the time. And people are sick all the time. So... I don't know. I'm just going to wash my hands more and Stop not, try hands. not to touch my face, which is hard for me because I, I love to touch my face. It's hard for most people. <laughs> Most people touch their faces I love hundreds of times hands. a day. Are you going to stop shaking hands with people? I don't know. I watched Bill Maher last night, and he has started bowing to people to acknowledge them. Because even the fist bump is like too much for him at this point. I don't know. I think being careful without being obsessive is probably in order. So far. Yeah. 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 I've been getting hysterical messages from oh, my from youngest, your, oh. who is very concerned that, I guess there must be a case in New York State, but there are several here yeah, in, in Washington. California. See, I think I heard of somebody. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it will get all around eventually. Yeah, it yeah. will be all over. And now we have the most incompetent person in the White House. Incompetence would be an improvement. He's like just willfully, sociopathologically screwing it up. Well, I think it's out of denial. If it's not out of denial, then that means that he's actually responsible for something. Well, that's true. And the sociopaths I've known have also always been paranoid about being found guilty about anything. And I think he's scared that it's going to be blamed on him. So he's turned it into a thing about his personal political fortunes and his popularity instead of He's not capable of having empathy or concern. Also true of sociopaths I've known. He can't. He's not capable of empathy for yeah. the people as a whole, the population, the country on a, what should be a neutral, suffering. a totally neutral thing that brings us together. In if anything, in in working out a defense. And they, I've seen articles that have referenced 9/11. How even as polarized as we are and have been for such a long time, we came together with 9/11. You know, we just put that aside yes. and tried to see what we could do. Yeah. Well, I have a theory about why he gave it to Pence so that it would be deflected off of him, obviously. Right. And if it goes badly, it's on Pence and not him. It's on Pence, but right. that his really diabolical plan mm-hmm. is that Pence could then be thrown over for, what's her name? She was the uh, ambassador to the UN. Oh, I know who you mean. Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley. So that Pence would then take the fall for the coronavirus Oh, and he could spread, put Nikki Haley in. And then he could boot him out and put Nikki Haley in. Right. Well, I know she wants it. She sure does. Yeah, she's drunk the same Kool-Aid that Susan Collins drank. They're like big Trump supporters all of a sudden. Well, how do you know that Nikki Haley wants it? Have you seen Because her? she came back on the scene after she quit the UN job, and then she was away for a while, but then she came back on the scene and she was saying all these like glowingly complimentary things about what a great leader Trump is. Okay, I haven't seen those things. Those that was your... a while back, maybe a month or two ago, but okay. she was making these statements that were total suck-up. Obviously, it's pretty clear. You don't call Trump a great leader unless you want something. Yeah. No one except Stephen Miller truly thinks he's a great leader. Well, I think that Nikki Haley would go a long way to towards appeasing women who mm-hmm. are just sick of Trump right? and sick of his antics. Right. When I went knocking on doors yesterday, her name came up. Really? If Nikki Haley was running with Trump, then I would vote for Trump again. Really? Mm-hmm. You talked to real Trump voters yesterday? Yes. They were <gasps> You're so brave. You went into the clothing. belly of the bee. It was actually someone who Wolves was registered. Wolves in sheep's clothing. 
They're wolves in oh, they were wolves in sheep's clothing. By my view, because I see <laughs> the other side is the wolf. No, but... sheep in wolf's clothing is not a thing. <laughs> it's not a thing. I misspoke. We haven't had our margaritas yet, Ruthie. You can't make mistakes like that. Damn it. No, someone who admitted that he had meant to register right. as an independent, but he was actually going to vote for Trump. He was an Argentinian who was Jewish, and Trump's stance on Israel was the most important oh, function wow. of okay. his presidency. As okay. far as this gentleman was concerned. Okay. So people have all different kinds of reasons. Wow. And you can also make up a reason if you want to. That's right. Oh, how interesting. Well, I don't want to get off track, but I admire you for going out there in the field and it's, taking your chances. It's fascinating. You know. A lot of times people are extremely receptive. So yeah. I don't go to Republicans' homes unless I'm... But the target groups are they're identified they're as independent? Or? No, they identify as Democrat. And, and it's, it's just to make them aware turnout. of... Turnout and to make them aware of the candidates that are running in their district. Oh, okay. So for, oh, okay. this was for city council and Oh, that's for, good. So you're Congress. not just trying to convince them of this or that point of view. You're, no, no, I wouldn't do something like that. It's more educational. And I've actually canvassed with people who do try to persuade people who are not persuadable. But a side effect of it is you do get people, you make them more likely to actually get out and vote. Yes. And one interesting thing is because I won't argue with someone who is not on my side. Right. I don't try to bring them over to the light. Yeah, well, it probably it's could never not, work. Anyway, no, but what they end up both sides in deeper, exactly. So, two of the times when, say, someone who was younger who was registered as a Democrat wasn't home and their parent came to the door and was a Republican, at least they can say, I had a nice conversation with a couple of women who were Democrats today. We didn't get into an argument. To me, that's a big thing. So, that happened twice. Yeah, I said, Well, that's cool. See, we had this nice conversation. Oh, yeah, I think it's really important. Mm -hmm. They see that we're not ravenous. Oh, right. anti-Trumpers and I mean right. I am a ravenous anti-Trumper but right. that we behave with decorum yeah you show respect for the other views yes that's hard to do I show respect yeah. for them I don't necessarily have respect for their views got it that's better put <laughs> that's better put than I did well sp- should I tell about my voting experience I would love to hear that? about your voting experience we had a natural segue <laughs> that was great it never happens no that was wonderful <laughs> well in California, in Los Angeles County, they changed the scheduling of when you can vote. The voting day, election day, is Tuesday, March 3rd. Yes. But what's new is you can go to a voting center now for 10 days prior to the identified election day and cast your vote early, which you hear about in a lot of these other elections that are happening. Like when Nevada was happening, they were saying, oh, early voting yeah, is going is for early. this or that. And then I had read up an email at school where I worked that we were going to have a voting center right on site. And the other wonderful thing now is if you want to vote in person, you do not have to go to your local precinct that's tied to where you live. And are, you can go anywhere in LA anymore? County. Are there precincts? Well, there may be precincts, but there are, I think there used to be maybe around 2,000 of those uh, election sites. Yes. And now what I'm told is there are 1,000 roughly election centers, they call them, scattered throughout L.A. County. In some cases, they might be where you used to vote. But in most cases, they'll probably be near you, but in a different location. But since it was right there at work and I didn't have to go to Studio City to vote in my precinct, I went to the one at work. And I went on Thursday at lunch and I walked in to this big room and there must have been 50, a minimum of 50 little voting stations 
It's not a whole booth. It's just a little Well, that's what I wondered about. Mini because cubicle. minor booths that I've been in are so flimsy. Do they actually have machines? They're, these are a little more substantial because they have a computer in the booth or the little area. And there are these yellow plastic side so wall things so that you have a little bit of privacy. Okay. But they're just little partitions. But so you're not walking into a hole. Like in New York with the voting machines, you used to walk into a little and there's a booth curtain. and a curtain. You pull yes. a lever and the curtain would come. Uh, no, it's not that private. But... But it's private enough because no one could see your screen while you're working on it. It's like going to the cash machine, sort of. Oh, right. What I loved about it was that the screen that they, it's touch screen. And the screen that they have there is, I guess, about the size of maybe like a piece of legal size paper. Like an iPad. Yeah, a little bigger, though, a little deeper, a little okay. from vertically longer. But I don't know, the clarity of it was so great. Not only the clarity, you could see the names and point to what the ones you wanted, but the clarity of the process, it, it was just very well designed, I thought. And you could pick from like dozens of languages which one you wanted. And the screen was bright and clear and clean. And you had no question that you were hitting the right spot for your person. And then it would, would highlight it and you would know. And then at the, it was a long ballot. There was a lot of, there was a lot, down, a lot of judges. down ballot races. So it took, it took a long time. And the candidate I voted for was way at the bottom of the list of presidential candidates. So you had to have scroll down, scroll down, scroll down until you finally found the person you wanted. But I did it. And then it, it double checks you. It says, do you want to go back now and look at the selections and make sure they're oh, okay? Really? And I said no, because I was pretty sure I'd hit the right ones. And then it says, do you want to print your ballot? And I said, sure. And then, oh, before you start, they give you a paper ballot form, but it's blank. And you feed it into a paper feed that's right next to your screen. Oh, right. forgot to mention that. And then it says, now do you want to see who you voted for on paper? I said, yes. So the paper comes out and now that blank sheet that you put in has all these names on it for the different offices. Huh. So you get to look at it. And this is where I almost went awry because I thought that was just my receipt to take home with me. I thought it was like... Your prize. Well, or like the cash machine. It says, do you want a receipt? <laughs> sure, I'll take a receipt. So I was, well, actually, I put it in my book bag and I was walking out the door and the nice woman goes, did you put your ballot back in the box? I said, what are you talking about? I voted. It said I was done. She had me take my paper out. She said, that is your ballot and it is not counted until you turn it in. I bet that happens a lot though. Don't it was you think? That, uh, Maybe. It was a little confusing, but thank God she caught me. And so you go back after you look at your paper ballot, you put it back on this little tray and you pop it into this little slot. It gobbles it up and that's your counted vote. So it counts it with a computer, but it also keeps that piece of paper in a bin. So, so you have if they do record. have to go back and count paper votes, they've yeah, got them. But you get to check your paper vote to make sure that your paper vote really is the vote that you want it to be. I remember when I was during John Kerry's election, there had been all that business with Al Gore's, you know, the hanging the chads and all the rest of it. butterfly ballots and all of that stuff. And we had Inkadot votes. Right. Remember those? Where well, you, we had them until recently. We had them until I mean, recently. Until this. Yes. Yeah. But I put my ballot in and it covered those little, the little knobs. The little, yeah, the little and things. I checked it and by gosh, it didn't actually register my vote for Kerry. Wow. I was so glad that I checked. Even though you put it in properly and everything. Yes. It was very Terrifying. upsetting. Terrifying. So I'm glad that we have a new system now. It sounds really good. It sounds like there's just so much more opportunity for people to get out and vote. And you know what's cool about it? For me anyway, maybe it's the nerd in me. Maybe others wouldn't feel this way, but it made the process fun. Like when you touch that screen by the person you want and it turns a color. I don't know. It just felt... It felt efficient and it felt fun. It made voting kind of fun. I've been telling everybody 
to skip the mail-in ballots and go do it because <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a fun process. I have a mail-in ballot, so I think I have to go you, by... You don't have to because I did too. I took it with me to the polling place and they put X's through it and gave it back to me. They, they voided it. Now I have but I don't know. But, you know, mail-in's fine. Oh, the other cool thing too, if you take the little voter pamphlet that you get and it has a barcode on it, they just scan that and your information comes up and you get to double check that you're you, you know, and that that's your address and that's your name and everything's right. So wow. it has a lot of, I think, processes involved in it that count for accuracy more than we had before. The thing that I have trouble wrapping my mind around is why we don't have a federally mandated voting system that's yeah. foolproof. Like this one sounds, we'll, we'll find out if it's Well, foolproof. we have all these antiquated systems from the 18th century that we've never changed. Same with the Electoral College. Well, I don't mind if they're paper, but we have we also have certain states have computers that are easily hacked. Right. No, well, there should be, they should, they should have this nationwide. But yeah, states' rights. Well, every state has a secretary of state. Oh, right. And they're the ones that oversee the voting process. Oh, yeah. And we happen to have and That's Jerry... why Stacey Abrams lost, because it was overseen by that Kemp or whatever his name was that well, won. Well, he was running against her. I know. And, and he, was he was the secretary, secretary of state. state. So Freaking corrupt. So awful. Don't get me going. But hopefully Stacey Abrams will be somebody's running mate. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. I think there's a lot of momentum toward her. We'll see. Anyway, I do need to mention that next week we will not have a regular podcast because Mike is going to be at a storytelling event. A very special boomerangst. A very special <laughs> boomerangst. Just for our boomerangs <laughs> listeners. And hopefully we will be able to get a copy it of this. It is going to be recorded. Oh, it is going to yes, be recorded. Yes, I forgot to tell you that, but Yay. I discovered that that's the fact. Okay, so you will hear Mike telling a story, and it will be probably a little shorter than our normal podcast. But Oh, yeah. Well, they tell me 10 minutes, but I've never gotten out of there without talking for 17 minimum. But I'm going to try very hard to stay in the 10 to 11 but don't, because, minute range. <laughs> because it'll just make it more like our regular podcast time. <laughs> anyway, thank you, boomers, for checking us out, and we will be back at you very shortly. Bye, boomers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.